I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Chocolate. It doesn't Hello and welcome to a very special Spool podcast where we're going to bring you, the listener, on a journey back over the last 10 years of movie going to see what sticks with us as the best films of the 2010s, the 20-teenies. People still haven't really worked out what they're going to be called. Anyway, mm. I'm Nigel Wheatley. I'm here with Pork McGill, as Hello. always. And we've been doing the Spool podcast since mid, or kind of autumn 2011. So, um... We've seen, I tried to tally this up, Pork, I think oh, wow. close to about a thousand new releases in that time. That's pretty good um, for part-timers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I think we're somewhat semi-qualified to comment on some of the best cinema that's um, arrived on screens over the last year. Obviously, when you think about it, we're very different as people. Uh, we're now yeah, both entering into the, into the mid-30s. If you think about when we started this, the cinema landscape was very different. The idea of some of the year's best films. There was no Stella. On TV. There was no cinema. There was no drinking in there cinema There was still in the screen one in Savoy. Yeah. Um, and then this, the, the idea that some of the best films of the year would actually be showing up on your phone hmm. through Netflix. So anyway, what, the way we're going to do this, um, we're going to take each year, pick a couple of highlights from that year and... Um, and also maybe pick out something. Some years it's really easy to do, but just something that doesn't really sit very well with us anymore. So these will become apparent as it stands that you're just like, oh yeah, I don't really want to ever go back and look at that or gosh, I think differently about that or something like that. So we're going to see. So I guess for me, I'm going to set the scene. Uh, 2010, uh, I left the country, went traveling, South Africa, ended up then in Canada for about two years. So the early part of the spool podcast and website was done kind of remotely where we were on opposite sides of the world and i was seeing different films you were seeing different stuff and we were just kind of communicating yeah that was kind of a novelty where it was just like oh but i'm going to start with a film that we saw together at the toronto international film festival in 2010 so this was the world premiere of blue valentine and it's the first film in our best of the decade Mm. um so we might actually just to set the scene for this, this is a bit of music that then stuck with me, ended up having it um, at my wedding. Um, that's you and me. So we'll just let that fade in. Church, church, not the church, during the ceremony. Lovely. Um, so anyway, yeah, just this was absolutely gut wrenching, incredibly sad, challenging. It's a story of a love story that kind of disintegrates. Yeah. Well Kerry Mulligan and Ryan Gosling, uh, Michelle Williams. Well, Michelle Williams. Well sorry, done. sorry. Yeah, I don't. Of, it's ten years ago. I know, I know, but don't interrupt. Like, don't. Sorry, I'm not going to do that to you. I'll pretend to, I'll just nod. So anyway, yeah, Michelle Williams, I was thinking about her. She, most recently, I was watching her in Fosse Verdon, a, a TV series about Bob Fosse, um, the sort of playwright. And then, of course, she had Manchester by the Sea and has done lots of other stuff, but definitely an actress who, you know, it's impossible not to kind of adore the work that that, that she does. So anyway, that's my my first pick. You got anything from 2010, Pork? Uh, the the two because as you say we kind of kicked off in 2011 so 
post that we've got good documentation and even in the more recent years we've letterboxed so i did have to do a bit of googling to be like what did people think were the best films 2010 and the two that kind of stuck out for me were winter's bone um and i think it's maybe well it's when i kind of certainly became aware of jennifer lawrence um and it's, it's a real kind of bleak um story about meth and poor rural america and it's something that you don't see too often you know it's all about hollywood and glitz and gambler but either new york or la but here we kind of have a, a more yeah, realistic a, down to earth i can't remember where it's at somewhere like wisconsin yeah know. it's directed by deborah granick who did leave no trace last from year. Yeah, last year films, yeah. um so yeah just and has great john hawks in a small kind of understudied role so um yeah that really stuck out Excellent. and then another one from 2010 super quick is scott pilgrim uh yes. which really which to tie into the canada thing it's just more like set in toronto yeah and when i went to visit you i was just like oh cool we go to the record shop that was in it and stuff so that was kind of cool yeah i would love i was going down to the list and it's not on my list I've, I've one more in a second from 2010 but i think about stuff that i just really can't wait to go back and watch you know mm. it's something where you're just like that was really good fun yeah um so i there's a small just like 20 second clip from uh, Scott Pilgrim which kind of uh, it just the real quirkiness and the humour in it it's Michael Sir and uh, not Macaulay Culkin Rory Culkin Rory Culkin who's kind of he's now in succession so we clip here seven deadly X's 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 why does everything have to be so complicated if you want something bad you have to fight for it step up your game Scott Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? It's love, Scott. I wasn't trying to trick you. So, Baby Driver was the last Edgar Wright film. Um, Don't know what he's working on now, but I suppose that's probably his best film of the decade. Sure. Yeah. Got no problems with that. I did. There is a thing. So, my last one from 2010 is Looking for Eric. Ken Loach. Ken Loach is possibly in this list three times. Uh, Or definitely, I did realise when I was going down through it, I am a sucker for continuing relationships with directors a lot of them are men um but you know once once i'm sold on someone i do seem to hang on um looking for eric is a film a, a kind of about manchester united and eric cantona and a very low-key feel-good kind of story about a guy and um yeah big fan of it saw it recently on tv as well watching my dad and uh it was great um so the one that i'm gonna just pick as a film that i don't want to revisit from 2010 um is the film Catfish, which kind of arrives at a time everyone was like, this is so cool, this is, is kind of set up, and seems to me to have been a precursor to a lot of the sort of corrupt kind of themes that have impacted on like social media influencers and and stuff of just luring people in and using the, the web for entrapment. Back then it was kind of fun and quirky. And then, of course, it spawned a whole brand and an MTV show. So I, think I don't TV know, show no interest to go back to Did Catfish. them a lot of damage because it made them, they seemed to be the main focus then of the TV show. And you're kind of like, oh, these two guys just seem a bit like jerks. So Yeah. Anyway, happy to roll on to 2011. So uh, for me, then this is obviously where where it uh, where we kicked off our our spool.com. We used to have four O's in it, and the two films that I'm going to pick um, from that year are A Separation, which was an Iranian film, won the um, Academy Award for Best Foreign Language Film. I th- it's just a stunning kind of story of a married couple in Iran. Something I didn't know too much about at that time. Um, who have to deal with the dilemma of whether to, you know, mind their child, leave the country or stay there, 
deal with an ailing parent. It's one of these sort of things that it becomes a universal thing when someone's in their 30s and 40s and you, you basically have to look either ahead of you or look behind you to work out where your priorities for caring lie or choose not to mind anyone at all but uh, that's it and then the other one that I'm going to throw in there is uh, a man who had a great old decade Martin Scorsese good man Martin good fair play to you um, so this was his second film of the decade this is the greatest living director can put out there uh shutter island the george harrison documentary that he did he then had hugo he's had wolf of wall street silence and the irishman like very pro- prolific for older age incredibly prolific so and anyway, hugo was probably one of his first sort of i suppose um children's films as asia butterfeld um plays a young boy it's set in 1931 paris and it just has this lovely family warm kind of tone to the whole thing george yeah, melier the... is played by ben ben kingsley yeah. and I, I, spoiler I, I really got into it is that spoiler i guess it is yeah i uh really 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 want to go back and watch this some i hope it's on tv over christmas and it's not really in the list of like hasn't entered into the no. brilliant family films it's one lexicon, of the better right? 3d films of the time as well because it came out in 3d and it really was part of the whole story because it's as you say the start of the film or like the start of cinema and everything in this 3d with melia so you're just like oh this is actually really yeah fitting and perfectly done by the the 3d thing has fairly fell flat on its arse since Mm. hasn't it now i know when you see a film that's made in 3d and it shows up in the imax it will still become a thing but it's not really no a bit flash in the pan yeah people Thankfully. used to pay people in, during this decade people at some point thought tv was going to be 3d do you have any memory oh, of this yeah, Sky you could get a 3D, 3d tv in yeah. a pub yeah and they give you sunglasses and then a 3d tv they thought would become the thing but everyone had to like sit kind of in front of it yeah i don't know and curved as well the tv yeah but i think a lot of that was sort of retrofitted three-dimensional stuff where the story what the film wasn't intended to be viewed like that and yeah. it's become a gimmick so anyway uh two for me from 2011 are the tree of life a uh, big favorite director of mine terence malick uh also stars maybe one of the men of the decade brad pitt and one of the women of the decade jessica chastain um, Absolutely. so we also have sean penn in there just kind of an examination in classic uh terence malick form of and Sean Penn was in it, you know. They, they went yeah, through, Malik yeah. went through this phase of people being credited and not being in this film. Actually, in the film, yeah. Sean Penn, oh yeah, yeah. He's the son, kind of, okay. and then it goes back in time, looking at how his relationship with and, his dad, Brad Pitt, and mum, Jessica Chastain, all the Terence Malick hallmarks, lots of like uh, whispering, and, was, and and this was his first one back, right? Um, where there was huge, yeah. anticip- as far as I can recall, I like, think there was so. Huge it was probably his first one since the. Th- thin red line yeah um yeah the world war two uh, film he did which i think is one of the best war films ever made um yeah so just loved it and possibly i'd like to go back and see the creationist bit yeah i don't know what i i'd, I'd need to see it in the cinema like i dragged did a lisa season, to it to, to see it in the national concert hall with the orchestra oh, and i was like this is fantastic and lisa not so much uh yeah for me definitely yeah yeah perfect and then um yeah, Drive uh, came out in 2011, kind of blew me away. Still kind of holds up. I've seen it a few times. Again, one of three or four films this decade from Nicholas Winding Refn, probably his most accessible. And we have Ryan Gosling again and uh, Kerry Mulligan. 
and it's kind of a huge cast and it's like Brian Cranston's in it Oscar Isaacs is there who become much more bigger players as the decade goes on um, we've got Albert Brooks and the guy who plays Hellboy who I can't remember but uh, here we have a quick clip of the two of them having a chat and it kind of gives you a bit of the sinister tone of the film anybody anybody finds out you stole from the family we're both dead what fucking family the family who still calls me a fucking kike to my face yeah i'm 59 years old bernie they still pinch my cheek like i'm some fucking kid bam the money always flows up izzy you know that very good yeah. it was th- this i think i've great memories of writing up reviews we were very active back then possibly due to the less employment but there was a lot of editorial content created back then as well as as podcasts um so like back then a lot of other films i think now i hope i have the years right with these but take shelter we had shame in there um Moneyball, uh yeah, we need to talk about Kevin. Like that was a very, very strong year. When I went back through that list, I know I was watching more, hmm. but like, there's a lot of good stuff in there. And Woody, we also Woody have the, yeah, the director who we cannot mention anymore. Seemingly, he's yeah. obviously a lot of yeah. films. I forgot when I was going through Blue Jasmine in this decade as well. Yeah. Very good film. Uh, so Midnight in Paris also come out this year. Yeah. Yeah, so the and one that the, I the counselor. To. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. from 2010, which we kind of love, but everybody despised. Uh, yeah, worth highlighting as a kind of a film. Ridley Scott, um, Michael Fassbender drama that was universally derided, but then it just really clicked on this side. Yeah. Um, the two that I'd like to, well, actually one I'm just going to pick as a, not sure I'd, I'd go there again, is The Artist. Mm. Um, swept the Oscars, really was sort of a gimmick and kind of really yeah. brought back this thing that we saw travel a bit through the through the decade where, Hollywood and the Oscars loved cinema about cinema, which... And, like, the golden age or that kind age, of... Exactly, and obviously culminated in, in La La Land. Shape uh, of Water, even, to and, a degree. Yeah, and I guess I just have no interest. Like, The Artist was a very interesting cinematic experience, a silent film for the most part, but... um. I can't even remember. Did the, there was lines at the end then, right? That There's, like, one kind of line at the end where maybe it goes, Merci. Yeah. Then, and then the whole thing is like, oh, he's French. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. And that's why he Then he get crops dialogue. up in the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh that's where we're at. So moving on to twenty twelve, um for me, I've got two contrasting films about being in love. One from David O. Russell, Silver Linings Playbook, and one from Michael Haneke, uh Amour. So Georges and Anne in Amour are in their eighties, she has a stroke. Um, George has to kind of look after her. It's French language drama film. And then obviously Silver Linings Playbook, in case anyone doesn't know, is uh, Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper um, in a very kind of high energy, um, destructive love story, but like charming. David O. Russell, isn't it? David O. Russell, yeah. yeah. So Pat and Tiffany are their names. Um, I want to watch this over Christmas as well. Yeah, Just, it's like, great. This has become, it's and I've so watched rewatchable, it now. yeah. Yeah, and I've watched it a couple of times with different people and I it's become a favourite watch in that way so it's it's possibly elevated can't remember the experience of seeing it in cinema i possibly have blanked it out and it's de niro out. kind of coming back in where you're like oh he's great in this yeah and jackie kind of weaver thing. in there as well so yeah. so that's it so they're my two for 2012 for me we've got um the perks of being a wallflower uh steven chbosky directed it so it stars kind of logan lerman ezra miller who's in year two before with we need to talk about kevin and m watson in 
maybe one of our first post uh, Harry Potter world films. Post, post Hermione. Yeah. Um, yeah, really kind of gelled with me. Great coming to made story, great soundtrack. One of those kind of, yeah, maybe and if I saw genderless, today, not to, yeah, like it is a kind of a very good at doing that thing that teenage films do where, um, you know, it's two boys and a girl, but actually you could flip the genders, yeah, it's about growing up, yeah, and it probably wouldn't end up in the cinema now, it'd probably end up just on, on Amazon Netflix, or Netflix, yeah, and wouldn't get the attention. But and it's a nice coming of age, and it's not one of these like gross out like American Pie and these films have their place, but it's kind of more wholesome coming of age maybe that we see kind of towards the end of this decade with book smart um so yeah really enjoyed it and then another one from 2012 uh, i think my one and only this decade from wes anderson uh, moonrise kingdom um yeah really just kind of i was kind of looking at what else he had done he, he'd done grand budapost hotel and isle of dogs which is kind of crap um he's working on something at the moment so for me maybe this slightly edges yeah, uh, Budapest Hotel. Um, so here we have a small clip. Uh, kind of perfectly encapsulates the Wes Anderson film. What happens? Uh, it's just a nice narration of about the island where the film is set. This is the island of New Penzance. 16 miles long, forested with old growth pine and maple, crisscrossed by shallow tidal creeks, Chickchaw territory. There are no paved roads, but here comes Jed with the mail. But instead, many miles of intersecting footpaths and dirt trails and a ferry that runs twice daily from Stone Cove. The year is 1965. We are on the far edge of Black Beacon Sound, famous for the ferocious and well-documented storm which will strike from the east on the 5th of September in three days' time. Yeah, so kind of all the figures in there. We've got Bill Murray, Ed Norton, uh, Bruce Willis, uh, Tilda Swinton. So, yeah. Cool. Um, my film of the year from that year was Argo, which I now am reflecting on. I, can't, I I wonder, does it hold up? I don't want to go back and revisit it, so mm. it's a bit of a dud. Um, but the one thing that I'd like to pick from that era is the immense disappointment I had from the Hobbit films, which I think kicked off in 2012, um, and just let me down. Yeah, no because, need for them. Like. Well, because, you know, we were kind of associating them with Lord of the Rings and then they just got so bloated and inflated and everyone kind of pretended they were worthwhile. Mm. And one of the gimmicks, we talked about 3D, but at one point we thought everyone was going to have the high frame rate, oh, yeah. 48 frames a second thing. It looked so bad. And it looked, yeah, just looked very, very strange. So again, you don't, we don't know what the technologies are going to be, but mm. um, everyone's always looking for, for the next thing that makes a bit of extra money or brings us closer into the story. So, So that's it. Um, so 2013, I actually couldn't break this down into two. Okay, so go, go for it. Go through my three. Yep. So I'm going to play you a clip about what I want. Greta Gerwig, Francis Ha. So this is Noah Baumbach, um, one of the three films that I really like. So we'll just take a little bit from it. It's that thing when you're with someone and you love them and they know it and they love you and you know it. But it's a party. And you're both talking to other people and you're laughing and shining and you look across the room and catch each other's eyes, but, but not because you're possessive or it's precisely sexual, but because that is your person in this life. 
And it's funny and sad, but only because this life will end. And it's the secret world that exists right there in public, unnoticed, that no one else knows about. So do you remember that scene? Yep. Yeah. So anyway, this, this film really, really, really affected you and I in a positive way, just in terms of like finding your place and like working out what's going on and sort of gr it's a it's a, it's kind of a latter day coming of age thing but to me it's rare that you get a director and an actress who feel very much aligned Noah Bombach is going to come up later um for me anyway for marriage story but uh here I think is possibly some of his his best work is a better than marriage story I think anyway I just loved it black and white story about um growing up as an adult and f coming of age yeah uh then I've also got Before Midnight, no surprise, Richard oh, Linklater, okay. um, which... Still have seen none of those films. That's truly bizarre. <laughs> you just need to watch all three of them. Yeah. You'd really, really like them. Um, and yeah, so I'm just wondering, to anyone who doesn't know the, about the Before trilogy, um, Ethan Hawke plays Jesse, Julie Delpy plays Celine, and now the big question is whether we'll get another film from Richard Linklater with the two of them in the 2020s. Um, who knows? Um, and then the third film is a film that probably is the one that won't feature on too many lists, but for me just knocked my socks off. David Lowery's Ain't Them Body Saints. So um, just like a really devastating kind of a, a look at... Lovely and lo-fi. Beautiful. Yeah. Was it maybe a thing as well that it had no artificial light? Yeah. And, and yeah, beautifully lit shot on, on film. And um, I can't remember the um, cinematographer, but yeah, he went on to do a lot more this year, um, this decade. So anyway, there are my three. Francis Ha, Before Midnight, Ain't Them Body Saints. Yeah, so for me, for 2013, is uh, Place Beyond the Pines. So I think we saw this in the uh, film festival. Yeah, Derek Keen France follow-up to yeah. Blue Valentine. We're getting yeah. themes. There's a lot of directors mm. getting And also, kind of, I don't mention it later, but it was one of my films of the year came out, The Light Between Oceans, directed by um, Keen France as well. So, yeah, stars Ryan Gosling again, cropping up again. We've got Ray Liotta, Bradley Cooper coming back in there, and Eva Mendes. And a couple Great of motorbikes. sweeping kind of... Um, almost like a great American tale passes families kind of different generations real kind of Steinbeck in my kind of regard and um, fantastic music in it uh, finishes with a Bon Iver song um, yeah so really loved it hasn't not getting much of like play no it's in quite a weighty film as well like it's very long it's hard to kind of sit down and absorb yeah. it again great soundtrack too um, and then totally on the other end of the scale very low budget um, British film called Selfish Giant it's directed by Cleo Barnard um, it's kind of a retelling of an Oscar Wilde story uh, Arbor and Swifty are two kind of young boys not really that good at school kind of arsing around so what they do is gather scrap for a local, local scrap merchant um, something terrible happens and it kind of you know it's played out really well where it's kind of revealed slowly and um, just kind of really struck a chord with me really kind of it uh, would remind you of Kess and films like that so um, yeah really really Working good class England hard to beat um, yeah yeah yeah, so in 2014, for me, I leave behind the kind of the love stories and it falls a bit more into technology takeover and um, with my double up uh, from that year. So Ex Machina and her. So Ex Machina was Alex Garland's um, 
sort of artificial intelligence story. I hadn't seen the actress Alicia Vikander before that, I don't think. Um, and it sort of highlighted a shift that happened a couple of years ago where intelligent sci-fi seemed to do well. Um, films like Arrival, Gravity, even this year we had Ad Astra, we've had Interstellar, um, Looper came before that, but like Under the Skin, Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise film. Did you ever see that? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, so like th- th- something clicked with this where the blockbusters sort of stepped aside a little bit and some of these films started to creep in. Creeping and, into yeah. me. Her then was just the kind of uh, Alexa version of like an of a kind of an artificial intelligence companion where Scarlett Johansson voices a, um, yeah, like uh, Joaquin Phoenix's lover, I guess. Yeah. Or, or what he yeah. personifies. He just gets this presence that follows him around. Um, I'm a li- I haven't watched the- rewatched this. I'm a little bit fearful if in case it doesn't hold up because it just I'd really... I'd say one with Joaquin there, kind of. I think yeah. he's also kind of becoming one of the... He's becoming one of actors. the... Yeah, and also just one of the most reliable. Like, Joker is now make it's made so much money right right so very yeah. strong film but it's become like the top rated or rated film i think from after taking up from deadpool so anyway ex machina and her they're my two from 2014 that so i've got my first horror um i suppose in inverted commas harder from... to fit genre films into this because you really yeah, yeah you'll rarely give them the fives or the yeah, yeah. so from 2014 i've got the babadook um which in my head only came out a couple of years ago but it's 2014 um but that was one of the scary films where you were just like jesus was that six years ago uh so it's directed by jennifer kent she currently has a movie out at the moment which i haven't seen uh called the swallow i think um yeah so it's kind of a mother uh the nightingale nightingale, sorry yeah (laughs) yeah one to watch in december i think i hope to get yeah um so a single mom and her only uh, son kind of the house becomes possessed by the scary book that the boy has read about the Babadook. But it's really a commentary about like coping with single motherhood, you know, postnatal depression, just depression in general. Um, really lovely told. Great ending that's open to multiple interpretations. Um, so I really loved it. And then my first and possibly only film from Netflix, which is kind of an early thing in 2014 because now it's more prevalent but uh we've got the battered bastards of baseball which i absolutely loved just randomly found it one day on netflix a very left field selection it must be said yeah uh it's about the portland mavericks and bing russell who's kurt russell's dad how he had this independent baseball team of kind of you know upstarts and down and outs and was kind of a two fingers to the whole sports baseball franchise and um, yeah it's just a really kind of great underdog story and great archival footage from the time and Kurt Russell's great in it lots of yeah cool yeah um, and then the one to avoid that I just kind of threw in is a film that went from being as a brand the coolest trendiest kind of thing um when we were in college sin city a dame to kill for so it tanked like the film didn't do well but actually it retreaded a retrod whatever um a lot of the similar kind of look and the tone and stuff and i think it's amazing now to think that the sin city kind of identity and the image mm. and all that just collapsed so much in in that time so one to avoid for yeah. sure as um, we're at the halfway period was there anything that you were like oh there's no one from this person here or was there anything that struck you as missing from your list or that you were surprised of that there was like an absence from the decade? I have one. That's why I'm just wondering, did it strike you? 
Um, I was actually surprised when I came to compile the list. Like, I didn't intensely go through everything. I read up lots of stuff, tried to reflect on what impacted me. Um, I have mostly independent American films have made it in. I don't know what it is about that. They're, they seem to be... So mm. the Irish film is very underrepresented in my list. I had to specifically go and kind of root out Irish films. Yeah, um, I have a few honourable mentions yeah. in here, but for the most part, I, I think I continue to kind of view them... Mm. Uh, differently at the end of a year likewise documentaries I haven't got any in here as well Mm. Um, so when I was thinking of the decade as the broader themes of how we watch films and the events and all that so I would say that to answer that question the Irish sort of cinema what's yours? To me there was nothing from David Lynch and I was like oh yeah his last film was Inland Empire in like 2006 and it kind of a bit sad I was just like well we we had the the ultimate experience and it was Sight and Sound's best film the Twin Peaks revival uh, the return yeah but uh yeah the only output because there are definite like you know we've got um wes anderson now we're gonna have paul thomas anderson coming in t- from for me in 2015 kind of yeah, big scorsese yeah, yeah you know solid weighty directors um but yeah that kind of made me a bit sad but sorry about that yeah well very good um so yeah other ones like 2014 was a very good year just to pick out some other stuff i think 12 years a slave landed that just at the start of that year from from us mm-hmm. um we had inside lewin davis cohen yeah. brothers i don't have anything from the cohen brothers in my final list as far as i know no um we have jo- frank as well the kind of lenny abrams and uh yeah michael fassbender and magic in the moonlight another um yeah Woody and- allen film which i quite liked oh yeah um 71 and then an excellent horror film was also out in 2014 it follows which again a little bit more intelligent much like the babadook that not just spelling stuff out a little bit creepier did you ever see it follows no actually one that was, that that was a look yeah. of unknown yeah yeah i was yeah. like, oh, I was like i'm pretty sure you and colin went to see it together oh, sorry okay so now we're tearing into the next year and uh 2015 halfway through the decade at this point we're both we married in 2015 already settled no i was dating lisa yeah so my point being there uh bit more settled but anyway i'm going to take a clip from one of my films at boyhood so this came out in 2015 adored it here's a little bit from that (coughs) sorry (laughs) so uh yeah gosh boyhood knocked my socks off like again yes i love richard linklater he shows up in this list a lot to me this was as much about how it was made than the ev- eventual result that ended up And the up secrecy about the whole thing, which is a great Somehow novelty. Somehow he had managed to tell a story over the course of basically 18 years, checking in with the same actor, same cast. His own daughter played a recurring part in it, so I guess she could keep a secret. But um, yeah, it lost out at the Oscars. Do you remember what it lost to? 2014. No, 2015 we're in. Lost to Birdman. Oh, which yeah. is not in my list because I was just like pfft. like you know again yeah. a fantastic technical achievement but I, I didn't want to put it in there um, so yeah anyway Boyhood uh, is there that uh, is something that's just very much stuck with me um, and then also I was kind of difficult two very different films in this but I kind of went with my heart literally in picking uh, Carol oh, so yeah. this is Todd Haynes's uh, film from a screenplay by Phyllis Nagy Nagy um, and Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Sarah Paulson in a lesbian love story set in mid 20th century America, which is an era that Todd Haynes is very good at dipping into. And the kind of 
hidden emotions and the hidden secret love and all this kind of thing. Um, him sort of revisiting some of the work he'd done um, previously in Far From Heaven and stuff like that. So that was it. The other one that I really wanted to put in, but then I didn't, but very different film was Leonardo DiCaprio um, in The Revenant, which ah, brilliant. again is the one I'd want to rewatch over these, but I just, mm. there's something in it. Same that director is... as Birdman and uh, The Revenant. Yeah, exactly. So were they yeah. 12 months apart? Potentially, maybe yeah, it came I mean, out at the start of the year. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know. That was kind of the tricky thing in compiling as well, where it was like, oh, it had that thing where it, it came out in December in America. Ultimately, like, it doesn't generally. really matter. But yeah. yeah, there's something in um, Inuyaratu's films I think that are technically brilliant, but have always left me a bit cold or whatever. They're I'd great like to for the experience the watching them, but yeah. yeah, I think you have it there where you don't really, you're not drawn to see them again. The character building in it isn't as much. Um, so anyway, that that was my pick, and just. Uh, yeah, I was most disappointed by Pitch Perfect 2. Just going to throw it in there. Shocker. Disappointing sequel to amazing original film. Yeah. Okay. So How was your 2015? First uh, Irish film for me on the list, maybe the only one, is uh, the animation from Cartoon Saloon Song of the Sea. Uh, it's directed by Tom Moore. Uh, really, really lovely film. Um, kind of about uh, selkies and fairies and Irish mythology. Um, beautiful animation. Uh, Brendan... Gleason is in it. Uh, the boy from Moon Boy, whose name I can't remember. Apologies if he's listening. And uh, music from Lisa Hannigan. So yeah, just really loved that. Really stuck with me. And then my uh, other pick, which we'll have a small clip from, is my first Paul Thomas Anderson film. Uh, it's directed by or Inherent Vice. So again, we've got Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, he kind of plays Doc Sparello. Where did the master land in this, actually? That would have it's been at in the your start list in 2011. Yeah. yeah, we didn't mention it. But didn't you'd put mention this above it. the master? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's more, to me, people kind of hated Inherent Vice. They felt it really, yes, like, hard to follow, just clunky, Correct. too much in it. But yes. I was just like, no, it's perfect. It's really easy to follow. It's really funny, uh, which I think we will illustrate with this clip here of uh, Joaquin Phoenix trying to get some answers from an ex-junkie. <laughs> I don't know if you have the stomach for it, but this is what we had her looking like. Everybody helpfully pointed out how the heroin was actually coming through my breast milk, but... Mm-hmm. Who could afford formula, you know? It's a long way from where we are now. Yeah, no, it seems like you're doing real good. I'm a drug counselor. Sorry? A drug counselor? Uh-huh. Trying to... Talk kids in the sensible drug use. <laughs> so really funny. Um, it's just kind of like Joaquin Phoenix is showing himself to be a real chameleon and can just morph in and out of. Because like Daniel Day Lewis gets a lot of praise, which rightly deserves. But um, but I also kind of think Joaquin Phoenix maybe likes sitting in the background, being like, yeah, I'm kind of grand, you know. Yeah. So yeah, my two from 2015 there: Inherent Vice and Song of the Sea. Yeah, so we're up to 2016, and the two, well, one of mine that I'm going to kick off with is, I've actually mentioned it already a little bit, um, Denis Villeneuve's Arrival. Um, so just a sense of our place in the world, and, you know, speaking with aliens, linguistics, communication, and all that. Chorus and Kang. Yeah. I saw it with two red-haired people as well, oh, um, cool. which I think kind of highlighted um, say, who I wasn't there. Who else do you know? Um, so I know it. Uh, just who was the second red-haired person? Carolyn Kira. Ah, very good. Yeah. 
So um, that was it. And then also from that season, we had uh, a Richard Linklater film, Everybody Wants Some, Ken Loach film, I, Donald Blake. Green Room was another. Um, that was a great, real kind of gritty kind excellent, of. Excellent, yeah. excellent genre film. But the one that when I had to pick um, was one, and I know you adored as well, which mm. was Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. So that's. Uh, There's certain Casey films I'm Affleck. not picking because I've, I know yeah, you've picked them. Exactly. So let's no, get a bit should. of variety. Well, like. No, here we're all yeah. good so the the only regret and the sad thing with this is that around you know 2017 2018 a lot of actors you suddenly learned a bit more about their character i guess mm. in real life their their process possibly and some of their flaws so one of those is casey affleck who there is a bit of a cloud hanging over um at that point we had I had really liked a lot of the work he had done and of course he'd been in Ain't Them Body Saints and done lots and he won the Oscar for Manchester by the Sea as well. But I mean I'm saying so it now and a little bit won of a, and, yeah. a year later, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um allegations against against him. So it's a uh, bit of a regret because that film is incredible mm-hmm. and just a story of a man who is given custody of his brother's son, teenage son, kind of without really thinking he'd have to forces him to go back to his, to a city that he used to live in Manchester, which is in, I think it's upstate New York, isn't it? Or Massachusetts. Oh, can't remember. Boston. Yeah. But is it, it's anyway, somewhere in my head, it's like new England. Yeah. Okay. We're like family guys set new England Patreon stuff like that. Okay. So not a, not a, yeah. Anyway, somewhere in basically upstate New York or, Massachusetts yeah um, and uh, he goes back there and has to revisit his own tragic kind of story where his relationship with Michelle Williams character collapsed due to a, a tragedy that you know maybe he played a part in and absolute gut-punching film probably the most purely theatrical dramatic film mm. in my list I would think great performance yeah. by Lucas Hedges as well That's kind of plans absolutely the, the brave son uh, so 2016 from me we're going to kick off with Midnight Special I think it was my film of the year from that year uh, directed by Jeff Nichols who also directed Maud Take Shelter Loving from this, direct- from this decade it's another solid director Michael Shannon um, what else uh, can we say currently on screens in Knives Out mm. anyone looking to put the cinema and uh, Joel Egerton Adam Driver pops up here as well kind of more maybe the supporting man of the decade um, he crops up in a lot of stuff as well Patterson different films um, so yeah really nice film sci-fi kind of old school would remind you of like a Steven Spielberg kind of sci-fi from the 80s or something like that so yeah really enjoyed Close it encounters kind of feel. Yeah. yeah and then my second is one of my only um, foreign language films is Mustang uh, it's directed by Denise Urguven uh, it's about five sisters in Turkey and they're on their way home from school kind of start arsing around just normal teenage stuff with boys this kind of scandalizes them and uh, then their home basically becomes a prison and they're locked up and confined to the house and then it's arranged marriages people trying you know and do commit suicide just to get out of it a really really strong uh, affecting film which is kind of stuck with me so that's mustang from 2016 cool and worth floating to me i just kind of had a realization 2016 that um, we were in a bad place when it came to the blockbusters and superheroes in general just reached a nadir of shite. Um, <laughs> uh, X-Men Apocalypse was out. Atrocious. 
Um, don't know if I've seen it. You're lucky. And then Bat- Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice. So just Definitely two absolute seen that. duds that kind of really let me down. So, um, yeah, that was it. They were able to bounce back, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so 2017, we're nearly there. Those of you who have stuck with us at this point, you're now seven years into it. You probably feel like you've aged seven years, but... At this point... You have a long list here for 2017. I know, I was going down through it. Um, I guess I'll just read them out. Like, So Michael Inside is an Irish film that um, thoroughly enjoyed a, a prison drama that you can find on Netflix, I think. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, Denis Villeneuve, Good Time. Uh, the two guys who directed that have a film with Adam Sandler coming out next month, which is apparently going to be fab. can't remember what it's called. Apologies. The Lost City of Z. Um, you saw that, didn't you? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, from uh, James, uh, the guy who did Astra, James Gray. Um, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I think actually kind arrived of in our scene in 2018. Yeah. First film I saw with my young two-year-old, so uh, <laughs> he was 10 days old, so it was a great one. Uh, Detroit, Catherine Bigelow. No one talks about that film. and It's it's, it's it a really horrible five. film, so it's kind of yeah. never really bubbles to the top of your memory, I yeah. don't think. And then meanwhile, the film that gave me hope in the superhero genre, Wonder Woman, arrived. Um, yeah, and then Patterson, the Adam Driver, Jim Jarmusch kind of film, which was excellent. Anyway, and Dunkirk. Like, that's a very, that's very, very, very yeah. strong. Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk. The experience of seeing that in the cinema. So loud. Was so loud. <laughs> dialogue, like... I think it's thing. what the film of the moment are like. Is it coming out this year or next year? 1917 looks like it's going to try and recreate. Yeah, yeah. And so the two that I'm picking, though, like that was a great year, are mm. Get Out, Jordan Peele's phenomenal, uh, Forerunner racially to aware horror film, shall we say, and then Logan, the end of the Wolverine era. Is that the best Jackman. superhero movie of the decade? I would argue that for sure. Possibly. I did want to give a bit of a mention for the first Avengers film for kind of telling a massive story in a very good way, but I don't know. First but yeah, kind of, I would it's, say Logan. It's, and it's maybe the first kind of foray back into like, here's an adult superhero film for yeah. adults. You know, and a bit which like what great. we're seeing on Disney Plus at the minute, um, of which we're both subscribing with The Mandalorian a bit more worldly and stuff so yeah yeah so anyway you didn't pick out as many highlights from 2017 no i kind of well like you know didn't just want to rehash my top 10 no no. Uh, i also have a good time i really love that uh i've got the death of stalin uh armando arnucci's kind of comedy satire of the death of stalin uh the farthest um ema reynolds film all about space and the voyager um kind of mission then the two that i'm picking out are paddington 2 brilliant and maudie and the connecting person there is sally hawkins um yeah so again in maudie we have ethan hawk who plays everett and he gets married to um sally hawkins who's maudie kind of folk artist in nova scotia and um yeah just a really lovely kind of heartwarming story um just seems like a genuine it's not all fucking roses and sunbeams um but a really lovely kind of uh irish director ashley walsh directs it um yeah really stood out and then paddington 2 might be up there as one of the best sequels ever um we've got director paul king back hugh grant is fantastic as the spoiler bad guy and ben washaw is the voice of paddington who just um suits had a quick look no sign of a paddington 3 uh ben king is seemingly or paul king is seemingly directing uh willy wonka 
So who knew we needed a third um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Unless it's something completely different because I didn't click in on it. So, um, yeah, All we right. have a small clip from Maudy just to kind of give you a bit of feel of Sally Hawkins' awesomeness. I don't want you to leave me. Why would I do that? Because you can do much better than me. everything I want with you Ev. Yeah, so only what a two more years film. ago a film of support a film of art a film <laughs> of everything um, I saw it in cinema in America oh. on me Hollyers yeah and I have a good memory of that nice um, just w- one worth Hollyers. noting uh, yeah the big long month traveling mm. around California uh, the film worth mentioning from that year that we can't really talk about and I loved at the time is Baby Driver so obviously a fantastic genre film from Edgar Wright that was sullied then very quickly after because one of the leads, Kevin Spacey, was, you know... I totally forgot. I didn't know where you were going with that, but yeah. Yeah. So we just can't even talk about it. It's it's a, it's a, it's close to a technically perfect um, genre film. Yeah, but got very violent towards the end. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Says the man who actually has no Tarantino in here yet, yet but... Uh, I don't have any, but... Again, uh, right, no. through the hateful eight. Yeah. So that's it. So we're up to 2018. At this point, I guess, uh, we both got married, not to each other, but like suddenly cinema, don't get to see everything. The whole thing starts getting incredibly fragmented. Um, your, your, you know, stuff has universal release dates, but then it's also shown up online. You're getting stuff might be on Netflix for a while. And the light, cinema time, like The Lighthouse is yeah. showing blockbusters, it, it's not showing the, the same range. I think in 2018, the Stella Cinema opened, so you had another avenue to see stuff. But um, yeah, it just it got, it got harder to kind of stay on top of everything. Like there was a point at this start of the decade where between us, we managed to more or less feel like you were across everything. Yeah. Whereas now, like I, I literally read full list of everything released in the cinema in Ireland um, in some of these years. Um and but you're now like, you're I don't kind have any memory. I don't yeah. know what that is. Don't know what that is. Don't know what that you're is. You're much more it's selective, hard. though, where you're kind of like, time is very precious. Is selective, though. Yeah. Uh, but it's I think not. it's just as well because we're getting older. We're not getting paid for this. It's not our day job as well. well but even so as you're, a hobby, you have less now, kind of free time. Yeah, and yeah. music has now reached that point as well, where, again, there was a point where you could feel like you stayed on top of music, but now it is relentless. Yeah. In theory, there should be much better and better music and something there for everyone. But I think in reality, you feel like you're missing stuff the whole time and you need like recommendation yeah. things the whole time. So And it's a very solid decade for us from like twenty-four to thirty-four. Like from eighteen to twenty-four, we would have seen a lot of formative films, maybe from fifteen to twenty-four. So now we're probably getting to an age like I'd be curious to see the next ten years. Like in ten years' time we'll be like, There's no original ideas, it's all the same shit. Sure this was just and Frozen Five really Paddington Two from, you know Yeah. And why, 2017 and why was frozen five set in the jungle a crossover with the lion yeah. king like what is this the so, anyway, the rock died wasn't it yeah but at least he got to be president <laughs> um so that's it uh so yeah 2018 anyway like amidst all this as one becomes more selective as options to watch stuff at home become more prevalent what impacted me last year were the films that actually had a really really good big screen experience with so um you can talk about some of these but um the likes of black panther really really you know hit hit home in the oscars and actually you were like oh yeah actually some of these stories can 
can kind of connect in a way, but also resonate a little bit with society. A Star is Born, which I know uh, divided people, and it was the fourth oh, remake absolutely. of that, but like, Love that. a, a yeah. fantastic film. Yeah. Um, What's the hate you give? I Hate You Give is a based on a book. It's an American drama about uh, racial relations amongst uh, kind of in a family setting. I don't want to give too much away, but like, you know, shootings, like so... Oh, okay. Some of the stuff that kind of permeates that is very ripe for yeah. discussion, such as when crime and and police brutality permeate into societies. A bit like the way Watchmen is kind of tipping into that. Are you watching TV Watchmen? Are we allowed to talk about TV? Uh, no. I watched the first episode, just haven't okay. had the time. Good man. Um. So anyway, but the films that I'm picking out from 2018, two very different films. One is for me the best big screen IMAX experience martin scorsese would rather i call it an experience than a film but it's mission impossible fallout uh, it just seemed to tick all the boxes and was just an absolute knockout i know this is really random as like to pick from two for this year but i was just thinking and i was like i want to represent um that, that side of you that side of of me um and it's incredibly efficiently made and tom cruise does most of his own stunts and all that kind of thing mm. um, and then the other is call me by your name um the longest plane film in the lighthouse history i would imagine yeah and just there's a lot of images a lot of music from that that um i've just really really stuck with me i've talked about it a lot in this podcast so i'm not gonna yeah go so to one for me from 2018 was another irish film rosie uh, it's directed yeah, by which was my actual award yeah it's directed by paddy brahnock who did viva and i went down from years ago and uh, written by roddy doyle really lovely simple story about homelessness um where we have sarah green who's playing a mum and it's kind of set over a weekend where Lady Gaga is playing in Dublin and she's ringing around trying to get a hotel for a night or two nights. I forgot about the Lady Gaga angle because it was in cinema when Star is Born was there. Right? Yeah. yeah. So she's trying to get uh, accommodation for the night and just ringing around and trying to keep the show on the road, getting the kids to school. Then she tries to get accommodation while they're at school. The dad, he's kind of chefing and trying to keep everything on the road. So really lovely film. And and they're not poor or they're not lazy. But th- that was a thing, yeah. Kind of what what Roddy Doyle it. said, it was just like I'm it's not no showing problems. them smoking or drinking or anything like that because this is the you know everyone's like oh they're all scroungers or whatever you know yeah. but it's just fell behind on the rent got kicked out of their home and now they're kind of living in their car when they can't get into the hotel. Things escalated. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So my second film then is from uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, Phantom Thread. I think a film I saw three times when it came out. Kind of when it was released, went again. And then when the iFi had the 70 mil, uh, which is what I did with the hateful eight. Um, Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis is Reynolds Woodcock and uh, has a new squeeze Alma played by Vicky Creeps and also stars the fantastic Leslie Manville. Um, yeah, more really funny, lots of nods to Kubrick. Um, great kind of sardonic wit and it looks fantastic. Music is fantastic. Uh, Johnny Greedwood did the music, I think. Um, kind of the new collaborator with Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, so I think, um, just as kind of we're going through stuff here, I think Paul Thomas Anderson might probably be my favourite director of the decade and is possibly better than... Quentin Tarantino and Martin Scorsese for me um because when you throw the master in there and stuff like that it's kind of the solid films that stick with me um yeah so we have just a quick clip from Phantom Tread uh here's Daniel DeLewis ordering his breakfast
some man. Cheers, cheers, Danny. Yeah. I wonder will he actually come back will, in the yeah. 2020s? You'd imagine. But He'll do one. Or the 2030s, yeah. Um, and it's probably all dependent on who that director is or what the role is. Um, yeah, um, so that's it. And now we're kind of up to where we are this year. We're going to go into much more detail in a couple of weeks in a special end of year thing where we'd probably rank these. Yeah, this is a like bit. a sneak so, peek of our... Yeah, like rather than pick two, maybe we might pick like three or four things that sort of kicked had a bit of an impact on us yeah um so a few that the thing that i mentioned alluded to this a little bit the thing that is probably most surprising is that two of mine are films that have actually been funded by an on-demand service so that's uh the irishman and marriage story so yeah who would have thought that um then other things that have kind of clicked with me this year one of the few documentaries that has gotten the full marks from me, I think, on my list. Um, Apollo 11. I think we saw The Favourite this year, did we? Must have come in in January. Yeah, I, I saw that as a thing. Yeah, that that's kind of gas to me. That seems like a decade ago, but yeah. 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 And um, then, and The Farewell, and Burning, and yeah. So for me, one of the favourite uh, action films of the decade and of the year and of recent years was Captain Marvel. Absolutely loved it. Um Got Pain and Glory, Pedro Almodovar. Was this his only film from the decade? Hardly. No, he did a film about um, some air hostess people and... Uh, no, he said three. He said three, yeah. yeah. So, a uh, fantastic film, Pain and Glory. Um, Marriage Story, as Nigel mentioned, was great. Uh, Mid-90s, the Joan Hill uh, directorial debut. Shocking inclusion. Really, really good. Um, And then might be my film of the year might not we'll have to wait and see the podcast but uh bait it's directed by mark jenkins stars edward rowe um as martin and it's kind of set in a seaside fishing town it has come back to the eye of popular demand yeah. playing over christmas so uh and not showing up on blu-ray or anything so i don't know when else people yeah can you see might this, never so... get to see this again so go to yeah. the ifi and see it i'm gonna go again yeah uh, i'm gonna try and convince nigel to come Hoping to hoping to get there, yeah. So so that's it. Um, I get we were trying to work out whether we wrap this up with just like cheerio. Now see you in a in a couple of weeks with the best of the year thing. Um, but I was trying to see. I've managed to kind of whittle down what I think my favorite films of the year are in a way. I've certainly picked out the one of the decade hang of the decade that I'd hang my hat on. And have feel you mentioned it in this thing? Oh yeah, yeah. This is just a recap. It's just a list. So can I guess? You can try and guess. Yeah, there's a Carol. No. Uh, fuck. Uh, some art story. It's too soon for that. No. no. What year was it from? Uh, I'll just tell you. Oh, okay. So, top the, the best film of the decade that I'm willing to just sort of say, ah, sure, yeah, that's the one that I'll come back to. It's Boyhood, Richard Linklater. Uh, okay. So, my other one's Silver Linings Playbook, probably second favorite, then Get Out, Blue Valentine, and Her. Hmm. So... Anyway, to, to me i kind of hadn't prepped that but for me just as i kind of looked down through the ones i've picked uh, i would go with inherent vice just to be cantankerous and i really loved it seen it loads of times and when i looked at the clip for it i was like i must, must watch that again um yeah but i think we've kind of agreed joaquin phoenix is our person of the decade is he i think we could definitely agree on that because due to Does the consistency pick? to get from yeah. what, what is the master 2011 yeah, it fits and in there. And to fit right up to Joker this year um, with lots of other interesting bits of work in between and just generally being an interesting character. Like mm. he's not on Instagram 
telling us what he's up to. Like he's in the weird artistic Bob Dylan level of like, always comes across weird in interviews when he has to plug something, which is kind of funny. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we're willing to probably appoint that director. We'd probably have a row. Um, I would make the case that due to his vintage and probably he probably won't be the man of the decade in the twenty twenties. We'd have to give it to 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 Martin Scorsese to mm. to manage to learn how to make his dream film yeah. of the Irishman while getting money from a big American yeah. video on demand. So, so, kind of, so. there is the point though. I with see your Scorsese, point. With well, no, like Scorsese, yeah, one hundred percent, he's great, but like he's very much a male director. It's kind of something that crops up a bit with the Irishman, where it's just like not too mad on the women. Um, I'm not saying that Paul Thomas Anderson is any more, you know, but obviously we're two guys. We probably focus more towards that. I had a lot of female directors in my list, though. I'm just going to point that out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you'd probably say Scorsese. I might say Paul Thomas Anderson. No love for Tarantino from either of us. We had The Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think that's too soon to kind of name it as a... It will probably be in the end of your conversation. Yeah. It's hard to see. Did he have, what was his seventh film? Inglorious, yeah. So maybe that was twenty ten. Let's see. I can't remember where I saw it. Must have been early two thousand and nine. Anyway, we'll yeah, we'll reflect on that. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. So we will just pack it in there, and we'll chat to you in a couple of weeks, where we will be going through the best of the year, and then we could finish that Gary Glitter song from the Joker. Yeah, no, we won't do that. Um, yeah. So that's it. Thanks. Bye. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.